That's so epic. Man. That's not just something we bought online. That was made by our own people here at Vertical. Yeah? So that was uh, filmed and uh, produced by Ryan Vandenberg. That's Caleb's brother. Yeah. And uh, that was his cousin, who also attends here, uh, Josh, uh, who was the character Caleb in it. So epic stuff. Grateful for all the creativity here at Vertical. You know, uh, we started a brand new series today. Uh, just when you think, okay, this last series was just like it. This series comes along, right? And I believe God has powerful things to do in our lives through this series. All of our series are amazing. I, I put this one, what I'm praying for, it will have the same, if not greater, impact that Pray Bold had on us, okay? So there are things that God has for us individually and as a church, but it will require faith, that grabs a hold of a promise from God and refuses to let go. This is how God worked in Scripture, and this is how he still works today. He moves on behalf of those who have the kind of faith that will stand strong in the face of opposition, no matter the odds, no matter the opinion that they might hold about their circumstances, they choose to believe the promise and not let go of it. Regardless of the cost, regardless of their own natural urges, they hold to the promise and the truth regardless. And they have the same kind of faith that we will see in this series that the character Caleb had in the Bible who said when he had a promise that he believed and he held to, he said, give me that mountain. Now, you may not be familiar with the story. We're going to go into that today and see what, how he came to that place. I'll give you a little heads up. He received a promise at age 40. I recognize that most of the folks in this room are not even age 40 yet, believe it or not. If you have not got a vision, a purpose for your life from God, don't fail, don't give up yet. <laughs> Even if you're 60, 80, whatever, don't give up. He has a purpose for your life. Caleb got the vision and the promise God had for his life at 40. For 45 years, he would watch that promise not come to pass. 45 years, he would wait and watch. 45 years, everyone else laughed, mocked, turned against him, believed the opposite. For 45 years, he, his family, his nation paid the price. For 45 years, he kept believing. At age 85, he stood on the verge of the promise and said, now, God, give me that mountain. There are promises, great, exceedingly great and precious promises that God has for us, for you, for your life uniquely. There are promises for all of us as believers, but there are promises for each of us uniquely, for your situations, your circumstances, your family, your life. He has promises for you, and you are designed and meant to grab hold of those promises and live in them. And for them, no matter what the cost. Amen? The kind of faith that does that says, I will never, ever, ever, 
ever give up on the promise that God has made. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what is ahead for us in our families, in us individually, but also for us as a church. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 14 today. I'm going to show you the end of the story. And then in the series, we're going to backtrack and catch up on the beginning of the story. We're going to see how this story ends, but we'll catch back up and See where it all began. Let me do a little setup for you here for Joshua 14. The man in this story is the man Caleb. So the setting is after the children of Israel have left Egypt. They have been set free from their years of bondage and they are acting on a promise from God. God gives them a promise and says, I'm going to give you a land to go to. The promised land. It would be a land promised to be flowing with milk and honey. It would be the land where they would live as God's people, as a nation. Now, the promise is for the geographic land, but the promise was really for so much more than that. The promise was for Israel so that they would be a nation to all other nations as a picture that says, this is what it looks like to be redeemed by God and walk in his ways. And Israel was chosen for that. They were chosen to be the nation to show all other nations what it looks like to be redeemed by God and walk in his ways. They say, well, why were they chosen? Were they more religious, more spiritual, more wealthy, more intelligent? No. Why did God choose them? Because he wanted to. This is the way God does. He chooses and he uses. Israel didn't deserve it, but he chose them. You don't deserve it, but he has chosen you. And so we walk in that. And Israel was called to walk in that. They were to move into this geographic land, this land that was to be their home, where they would live out the ways of God, where they would be the nation that showed all nations what it looked like to be redeemed and walk in the ways of God. So as they made their way to this land, God posed to them the reality of the situation and said, here's the deal. In this land that I have for you, in this land that you're going to move into, there are squatters. Some people can relate in this room. Austin and Malia have had some time with some squatters recently. This whole nation had some squatters in their land, the land God had promised to them. And there were lots and lots of folks in there. And they had been there for a long time. They had set up their camps. They had set up their cities. They had set up their fortified walls. They had set up their armies. They had set up life inside a land that was not theirs. The enemies of God were trying to live in the land that was for God's people. And they would need to go before the people of God can move into the land of God. Amen? God has a land for you and I to move into, to walk into. But like their land, the, the enemy sometimes moves in to the land that's meant for you and I, right? He takes what is yours. He takes over what is yours. And if you want to move into all that God has for you, you have to defeat some giants. You have to run out the enemy 
You have to take out the squatters if you want to live in all that God has for you. And so what they do is that Moses says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send in some spies into the land. We're going to take one from each tribe. 12 men are going to go into the land and I need you to spy out the land. I need you to check it out. I need you to see how, how far they're spread, how many of them there are, how great army do they have? What is the squatters like? What are they like? Go find out how big they are, how vast they are, and what we're going to need to do. So 12 men go in to go see the land. And they all come back with a report. They spy it out. They come back and they tell the people, it is incredible. The land truly is flowing with milk and honey. It is everything God said it would be. We picked up grapes there and they were so big that it took two of us carrying a cluster on our shoulders. The grapes were massive. The fruit was beautiful. The land was filled with great blessings. It's the land for us. They all saw it. They all agreed to that. But they also said, the squatters, they're strong. They put down roots. They've got armies. They've got fortified walls and cities. And worse, there's giants in there. This could be tough. The entire land is occupied with them. And they came back with this report. And the crowd was terrified. The crowd thought, oh no, this was our land, but there's no way. It's impossible. They're too many. They're too great. It's too much. We're too small. They're too big. There's no way. And Caleb rose up out of the 12 and said, this is our time. Let's go into the land. Our God will deliver us. We can take them. One man had the faith to believe, while the other 10 and 11, uh, the 11th was Joshua who would stand with Caleb, but the other 10, all they could see was the enemy, the opposition, and the odds against them. And so therefore they were filled with fear, anxiety, discouragement, depression, and very little faith. The sad thing is the crowd, the nation, believed the 10 and not the voice of the one. They didn't believe Caleb. They believed all the other voices. As a result, this nation would go into years of wandering and squandering all that God had for them. They would walk in loss. They would, lock in, they would walk in fear. They would spend 45 years in this discouraged, defeated spot. And it was dark. And it was through all of these 45 years that Caleb held strong to his faith. Can you imagine that? Imagine believing a promise today and you held to it and you believed God for it. And a week went by and you didn't see the result. You prayed more and 
A month went, guy, went by and you still didn't see the result. A year went by and you still didn't see the results. In fact, it seemed to be going in the opposite direction, the circumstances, and then all of a sudden, two years go by, three years go by, and people are starting to say, you're not still believing for that, are you? And then you begin to wonder, I don't know, maybe, maybe I missed something. You just imagine 45 years going by of not seeing your prayer answered, the promise come to pass, and Caleb holds true through all of it. So where we're going to pick up today is the end of the story. Joshua 14, starting in verse 10. Caleb is on the doorstep of the promise. He's about to enter the land. There are still giants in there but they have the opportunity now to move into the land. And it says in verse 10, the Lord has kept me alive as he said. These 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses. Before we move on, this is how we get promises from God's word. Promises don't come from my imagination. Promises don't come from my feelings. Promises don't come from my urges. Promises don't come from a Ouija board. Promises don't come from a crystal ball. Promises don't come from some prophetic speaker online somewhere. Promises come from God's word. Right? And so, Caleb has held to that for 45 years. And he says, ever since the Lord spoke this word to me. The rest of the verse says this. It says, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, while his nation went the other way, he says, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. 85. That's a long time to pass. 85. You're not as strong as you were when you were 40. 85, 45 years of not seeing a prayer that you believed and held to answered. And here is what Caleb says. And yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Now that is powerful faith. Caleb says, I am ready today like I was then. I'm as strong inside and outside as I was then. How do you get that? When you hold to a promise from God. He goes on. He says, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. 85. He's not wanting a spectator seat on the sideline. He's ready to go into battle. He says, I'm ready for war for both going out and coming in. Put me in the battle. Give me a sword. Let's go in and do this. Verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. You see, God had promised a land to them. God was giving them sections, geographic regions within the land. And Caleb said, I see my mountain. I see it right over there. I know there might be giants still in it, but I want my mountain. I'm ready to go in. Let's go in. Give it to me now. Let's go into battle. 
That's faith. That's powerful, believing faith. And it's not just a story in the Bible. It's a story in the Bible that's intended to inspire faith in all of us and give us faith for that kind of promise. Because we all have mountains in our life. We all do. I'm not talking about the obstacle mountains. I'm not talking about the stuff that you need to say to the mountain, be removed. I'm talking about mountains as they are in this passage. The mountain that says, no, that's where I want to be. That is the promise of God. This is what I'm believing for. For the Stutz this morning, that mountain is to see their son walking in God's ways. Amen? That's the mountain they're believing for. And they're going to war as we did this morning with them. Every one of us have mountains, promises that God has made, you have read, and I'm praying that you are holding to it. I'm praying that you're not just trying to somehow maybe squeak through this Christian life and maybe someday hopefully make it to heaven. No, that's not faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ says he paid for my sin. He has caused me to be born again. I've repented of my sin. I'm following him. I'm certain I'm going to spend eternity with him. And I have promises from his word that I am believing for today in my life. Amen? This is what you and I are called to. To see promises. To hold to promises. Promises for you personally. For God to change some things. Do some things. Show you your purpose for your life. Mountains of your marriage. Some places of greater joy, communication, intimacy, and peace. Mountains that you're believing for. Mountains of family members coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Mountains of your entire family knowing him and being able to sit together and talk about the things of God and be used by God for an eternal purpose. Those are the kind of mountains I'm talking about. Sometimes things get in the way. Life gets in the way. Our own bad decisions get in the way. The decisions of others get in the way. The enemy takes up residence in the place that we wanted and believed God had for us to go. And just as with Caleb, you believe God for a promise in spite of what you see. So we're going to follow Caleb in this journey. But today we're going to make some application that hits very close to home because we all have mountains personally that we are believing for. But there, there is a mountain for this church as well. And again, when I talk about mountains, I'm not talking about obstacles. I'm talking about destiny. I'm talking about the place we're called to be. So today and over the next few weeks, you're going to hear a little bit more about this, but I want to give you a little bit of backstory on this church and a mountain we are believing God for. So let me go back into history of this church. You know it as Vertical Church or Villa, but it hasn't always been that. It was prior to that First Baptist Church of Villa. And prior to that, in 1903, it was established as the Ovilla Baptist Church of God. And they bought this land for $50. Whew, crazy. Crazy land prices, 1903. You see, this area has a rich heritage and faith. 
This area is where people would gather from miles around down here by the Ovilla Creek and they would gather for revival meetings and they would baptize in the Ovilla Creek. Next time you're heading south on Ovilla Road, just glance off to this side to the right and you'll notice a beautiful stretch in the creek that is where they would gather and baptize people in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And this became a, a very strong place of faith. So they established a church here in uh, 1903. The Presbyterian Church on Shiloh is established even prior to that. There's a mighty move of faith in this area. In 1936, the church here would build a worship center. Not this one, not anything that's even here anymore. It was a, an old white frame church that sit kind of on the back near the property uh, on Main Street. I visited here back in the 80s and got to go in that building. It's not here anymore, obviously. In 1945, Ovilla Road was constructed. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't here before that. And the Main Street through town was, guess what? Main Street. The Main Street behind us. That's why we call this building behind us Main Street Center because it sits on Main Street because that was the Main Street through town. And this is Ovilla Road now, 1945 comes in. In 1972, this church is renamed the First Baptist Church of Ovilla. And God continues to work here at that time. In 1992, Wes Edwards becomes a pastor and there's 90 members here. Uh, Carol Edwards still attends, his wife. Wes went home to be with the Lord soon after we merged, eight years ago. In 1995, under his leadership, the church grew to 415 members. It was a lot for Ovilla back in the day. And during that time, they built many of the building pieces back here and this building. They called it the West Edwards Action Center. And they had dreams and hopes and beliefs and promises from God that this would be a place where God's word was proclaimed and taught and the people of God would gather to learn so that the gospel could go out into all the world from this place. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's good to know our history. But in the 2000s, things began to change. Wes's health began to decline. Some other staff came into place. And the church began to face some real struggles. It started off small, but it grew into conflict. And soon it caused division. And soon this thriving church of 400 plus people had less than 50 people by 2014. People have gone. There's a remnant that stays. And what they have to do to make ends meet for this large facility with only 50 members is choose to rent out the space. So they rented to a daycare. And by the time we come along uh, in the merge, we walk in and there's a daycare here and they're using pretty much the whole building. Every classroom has a daycare classroom in it. They use this space during the week. And so we're kind of limited. We, the church had the office next door and Main Street available just for us. But the rest of it was all shared space, which was great. The Lord provided through the daycare rent to help sustain the church during that time. And it, it was able to carry them the rift between the people was deep and painful. And another indication that the enemy had done a work. He had split the people. 
And the pastor that was here, when he and I talked, he said, the name First Baptist Ovilla in town has gotten a bad name. If anyone said First Baptist Ovilla, they instantly thought, oh, that fighting church where all that meanness happens. It's tragic when the place that should be the place of peace and the place of the gospel and the place of joy and the place of harmony and unity, when that's not happening, the enemy is winning when that happens. So that pastor who called me said, we want to begin to redeem what the enemy had stolen here. And so our two churches their church here and the church I was at, we merged and became Vertical Church. Needed a new name for a new name in the community. Needed a new vision to restore the power of the gospel. And what we have watched over the past eight years is God do a mighty work here. Amen? He has restored and is healing. The church is growing numerically. But more than that, the church is growing spiritually together. There is deep faith. There is healing happening in people's lives. Uh, individuals are experiencing peace they've never had, freedom from addictions that they've never known, restoring families, restoring marriages, restoring purpose. And so we're seeing God keep his promise that if we will seek him, and believe him and have that same kind of faith that Caleb had to say, give me that mountain, then God shows up and God shows off for those who have that kind of faith. So um, Vertical comes on the scene and we, we begin to claim that kind of promise. In fact, let me show you the verses that we have stood on uh, from the scripture, Isaiah 58. Those from among you shall build the old, the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. In the second part of the verse. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach or the broken place, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So what we have been about here since that time is seeking to restore the path to restore the vision that God had planted here, 1903. To restore the work that God had been doing here all along that way. To restore a path to reach the lost in this area. To reach those who don't know the gospel, who don't know peace. And for our church, this church, to be that clear voice in society for declaring the gospel, to be that leading voice for speaking truth, unashamed into the culture, and to be the place that's the standard for training believers to be raised up and walk in righteousness. And so I want to just paint for you a picture of what that vision is and what that looks like, because this is all of our heartbeats here as staff and elders and you as members. Our goal is to see individuals set free from emotional turmoil, set free from spiritual confusion, to be set free from gender confusion, to be set free from bitterness and jealousy and isolation and anxiety and darkness. The gospel alone has the power to free a person held in any of those things. Amen? 
Our goal is to see individuals know the deep peace of God within their heart through Jesus Christ. To know the deep love of God, to know there's a redemption for their past, to know there's a hope for their future, and to know that God has a promise for them in his word through Jesus Christ. It is our goal to help marriages be healed, restored, become vibrant, become passionate, become life-giving, and experience great intimacy. That is our purpose and our vision, to see parents confidently walk in owning the role of training their children to walk in God's ways. The church is here to support you parents. The church is not here to do the task for you. Our role is to assist you in that process and help you, train you to do that work. It's our goal to help parents and children or young people know how to talk openly about faith in their home, to know how to see their home as a training grounds for raising up future generations in faith. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the messages from the youth conference this past week, you've got to go on YouTube and listen. As Truett talked about how young people and parents can live together in this day, this digital Babylon, and prosper and be impactful and change the culture. We're seeing that happen here amongst our young people and our children's ministries. Our goal is to see a revival occur greater than we've ever known in our land. I don't want to return to a way it used to be in the 50s. I don't even want to return to a way that it was in the 1700s. I love all those foundations and I want to see those truths restored, but God has something greater than all of that that he wants to lead us into as a nation. And it is up to the church to lead the way into that path. Amen? And it's our goal and our, our vision to see that happen and us be a part of that. To see people in this region be shaken from their religious routine. There's no life in a religious routine. To see people shaken from just having empty belief. To, pe to see people shaken from compartmentalized faith. None of those give life. And it's the responsibility of the church to proclaim the truth and lead people into life in the gospel. And it's our goal to raise up a generation that will shine the gospel to be the salt and light that changes not just this county, not just this state, not just this nation, but the entire world. Lofty goals, not given by us, given to us by commandment of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world. That is for you and I, and that is for this church. So, we're seeing God beginning that work in us, in individuals and families. An interesting thing happened this past year in 2023 the daycare called one day and said, hey, we have found a new building. We're moving. We're going to no longer be here at Vertical Church. It was a shocking day when I heard that report because I got a little nervous. I got a little panicked. I forgot just a moment that Jesus is head of the church. Hello? Because I know, I knew what that rent amount was coming in. And we built budget based on that. And all of a sudden, they were saying, I got a little nervous, but I was quickly reminded from people around me of the promises of God. I was quickly reminded by our elder team 
of the promises of God. And that their departure now would provide the way for the church to do all that it had been intended to do in this building and on this property. Whereas we couldn't be in those rooms before because another tenant was here, we now would have access to every one of them to carry on ministry here in every part of this facility and every part of this property. Amen? So, with all of that, we began to look at the facilities and think, okay, there's some work that needs to be done. There's some updating that needs to be done. And our trustees and elder team have met quite a bit over the past year now to talk through what do we do? How do we do this? How do we move forward? And so this morning, um, you're going to hear from one of our trustees. He's part of our elder team who will speak to you about where we are in this process and some exciting opportunities that are ahead because God is restoring the path. He's doing it here in this church. And there's a piece that we need to finish now in obedience to him, I believe, to see the path fully restored. There's some facility needs that exist. So uh, if you'll welcome with me to the stage, Jonathan Gaddis. He's going to come up this morning and talk to us. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate Brian and the wonderful message about Caleb and the mountain. Um, so as I stand up here, I represent the elder team. So it's not just me. It's not just Brian. It's all of us as a unified front coming forward, understanding that we have a path to restore, that Christ is leading that path, and we're here to be enablers of that path. So the first thing that I want to talk about is this is a six-step path. We, we kind of broke this out. We're taking the mountain, right, as Brian's message said, but we're going to break it into six pieces to make it uh, more understandable and see how we go through. So as Brian mentioned, we are called to be the leading voice, not only in this community, in this nation, but in the world. And we believe that Christ is setting us down this path to do exactly that, to be that leading voice and enable us as a church to reach the masses. So with phase one, which is probably going to be the most notable phase, um, and you're going to see it immediately, is the lobby. So anybody did the hallway hustle in the morning, trying to get in and out of the hallway? Um, it, it's exciting because you get to bump in and run into people, shake their hand, kind of do this awkward shuffle. It's, it's tight. If you were here for Easter, it's really tight. We had to go outside into the opening. We're going to blow that wall out. We're going to open that space up. It's going to be a great, big, magnificent space that we can grow into. We're going to open up the classrooms there and make that more of like a mingling area so you can come in and you can join your fellow followers and conversate about the message, conversate about what's going on in life. It, it's $125,000, but that's nothing in Christ's kingdom, right? That's nothing. Phase two is the worship center. So who here loves hearing Caleb and the worship teams every Sunday? Well, it's not just on Sunday. It's not just on Sunday. We have youth here on Sunday nights. We have other events that go out through the week that use this space. Well, you saw the, the great vocalist up here. It's, it's kind of tight. Got a lot of equipment up here, so redesign. Lighting, Hunter and the tech team have done a great job making the lighting work in here, but it's kind of hodgepodge together, right? We got an aging projector, so this cost is gonna cover all of that. I don't have any great pictures for it, but it's gonna be awesome. Just, just believe it's gonna be awesome. Phase three, kids ministry. 
Vertical's really being called and leading a bunch of families with young children here. We are raising up the next generation of believers right here at Vertical Church. That space needs some love and some care. We're gonna remodel some spaces that we never had access to. We're gonna create age-appropriate spaces right here for our children so they can learn in a safe environment that's age-appropriate for them. Blowing out some walls, creating an indoor play place. Um, it's gonna be amazing. And then phase four, the classroom and broadcast. Who loves our vertical podcast? Everybody listens to it? It's awesome. Well, if you haven't been in the office, it's a little makeshift podcast area. This is using some of these spaces that we've recently gained access back to and building out not only some classrooms for our small groups to meet, for different groups throughout the week to meet, um, but also building out a dedicated broadcast and podcast area that can be used exactly for that purpose to share the message across that digital platform and, and reach the masses through that part. Then we have phase five. This is, um, if you've been out here, you've seen, we, we do what we can with the church, uh, with the facilities, but really giving us an exterior facelift. So using, repainting the building, uh, fixing up some of the columns out here, really growing that kind of exterior appeal to the church. And then phase six is the church office. It's the last phase. It's a little bit of touch up, repainting, fixing some of the lighting that's over there, really bringing it up to date. So th those are our six phases. We're calling on the church here. We're not wanting to dip into any benevolence funds. As a matter of fact, this year, we've increased benevolence. We understand that the elder team is growing and trying to help those in our community. We're also not looking to go into any debt. We believe that the people here in this church are going to be called to give and cover the cost of this entire project, giving this mountain back to us, going and conquering that mountain by giving above and beyond. So with that, there's, there are four giving options that we will start, and I'll explain how it's gonna work here in just a minute. But as a reminder, you can give on the church app, you can give via mail, for anybody that mails in here, I won't, I won't call you out specifically. You can mail it to the church. You can write a check and make it out to Restore the Pass. Make it out to Vertical Church, Restore the Pass as a comment. Or you can also, uh, in the envelope, every Sunday when we give an offering, you can put on there Restore the Pass. And it'll all go towards this fund. Again, that's above and beyond current giving. And sorry, I know I'm going fast through this. I'm trying to stay in the time limit here. <laughs> um, but really, looking at that, we're gonna go into 28 days of prayer starting today. That will lead us all the way to our, towards our first day of giving, June 4th. We're gonna pray and pray and pray and believe that Christ is heading down this path, going back towards that mountain that he has already promised to us. We are going to restore this land right here. You should have these in your, church, in your uh, seat backs. So take this home with you, look over it. You have questions, you can find any of us, the elder team, you can find Brian, you can reach out to us on social media, be happy to answer any questions. But we're gonna, be, we're gonna start that giving June 4th and we're gonna continue till it's done. We know that he has created this path for us and we're gonna grow into it. So we will continue all the way until all six phases are done, okay? And with that, I'll turn it back over to Brian.
Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate that. And our elder team who spent a lot of time thinking and, and trying to be creative and to be uh, cost-conscious cost as well, to be frugal, to be responsible, but at the same time obedient to what the Lord has called us to. So I'm excited. I think this, this project will be a visible picture that'll just walk right alongside what each of us is gonna be praying for our own lives because in all of our lives, there are mountains. Not mountains to remove, but mountains that God has called us to. So I'm excited about the stories that will come out of this, the stories that will be told as we see God do what he promised. I wanna to close today with our verse again that Caleb said. He said, now therefore, based on all of this, based on the promise of God, based on that mountain being right in front of us, he said, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. So in closing today, I wanna to ask uh, two of our other uh, trustees, our elders, to come forward this morning and pray um, for us as we begin this journey. Uh, Mr. Jeff Hatton and Mr. Dudley Light. Um, it's got a mic for you right there. And uh, if you'll pray alongside us, because this is, this is not me, this is not just them, this is us as a church, seeing God fulfill promises he made to previous generations right here on this property, seeing him fulfill promises he made in his word. Jeff? Can I go off script for a second? All right. Uh, so if, if you're here this morning and you're like me and you've been in church since you were in a baby carrier, this is not the first time something like this, is, you may have seen it. And these kinds of things sometimes stir up all kinds of emotions. So I just want to lean right into that. And I want to say that I hope that what you see here is a vision to make this place all that it can be, to honor those people who came before us and to honor the Lord with the place. So this is not about the shiniest, newest thing. This is not drapes and carpet. This is really about what has God given us to steward? How do we steward, steward it well? And so these men and other men have spent a lot of time and a lot of prayer trying to come up with a way to bring this to you today. And, and pastor's done a fantastic job and the visuals that are there. So just before we pray, I just wanted to put that out there because it's on my heart. This is a sensitive area. When you start talking about money and you start talking about money in the church, people get sensitive about that. I get sensitive about that. And so it's okay to acknowledge that right now as we, uh, as we pray over this. So I'm gonna hand it off to Dudley. A lot of thought and prayers already gone into this. So this is an accumulation of what we've done. We've had a lot of discussion at length over a lot of variations. We know the vision that God has for this church. We know the opportunity that is here. And we've discussed a lot. We've spent a lot of hours, a lot of time, a lot of thought into this. So with that, Fathers, we come to you today. We know that there's 120 years of history on this property of what your promise was, of what this mountain is, and how we're going to be able to climb and achieve this mountain. Lord, as we look forward to the progress that we're going to be making, and we know that it's a slow climb, as most mountains are, we also know that, God, through your promises and through your grace and your mercy, that you will be able to furnish the finances that we need to make this work. So, Lord, for the next 28 days, be with us as families as we gather together and we pray to be able to come up with the plans and the process, to be able to furnish the finances that we're going to need to make this happen. 
And Lord, we're gonna remain diligent and cost conscious as we go uh, to make sure that we're applying the funds that you provide to us to achieve your goals, which is expanding your kingdom, growing this church, growing this body, building up a core of people that'll be able to go out and minister to the world, not just Ovilla, as we look forward to your plans and your grace and mercy. We have great faith in what's gonna happen in the next few weeks and the next few months as you present your plan with more clear vision and the opportunities for where we're gonna receive the funds to be able to get this and accomplish these goals. And it's all this in your name I pray, amen.